Hey everyone, I'm Jordy, the Bible School and Tech Director here, and welcome or welcome back to Impact Life Church's online experience. After the message, please take a moment to like or subscribe, but most importantly, we hope that this message inspires you to impact this generation for Jesus. Just give the dads just a great big hand. We love you dads. Man, it's, we're so thankful for dads. How many are you thankful for your dad? Yeah, okay, four people. I need <laughs> Man, I'm thankful for my dad, and I, I, have a, I have a wonderful dad. And then you got spiritual dads as well, people that have brought you up in the faith, right? Anybody? Nobody got their dads. You know, you got a few of those. Man, I'm thankful for dads. And of course, well, we have the best dad in the whole wide world, our Heavenly Father, who loves us unconditionally. Aren't you thankful for him? So all you dads out there, we just want to wish you a happy Father's Day. Thank you for who you are, being the leaders in your home, leaders in Christianity, leaders to raise up, train up kids, grandkids, great, great, great grandkids, depending on how old you are. But we're so thrilled that, to have you as here. And if you're a dad, also a granddad, any grandpas in the house? Oh, yeah, and, he, and how, how, we've got some young grandpas in the house. Anybody under 40? I, or you're just, that's just, yeah, I, I see what you're saying there. Ah, uh, 45. I saw, yeah, Justin, great granddad. No, gra- grandfather, not great. Just a grandfather under 45. Man, you got a big task. You're raising your kids, and then you got grandkids on top of that. Man, oh, man, oh, man. Awesome. Well, we're so glad that everybody came this morning, and we're thrilled to continue on our series, Christian Killers. Woo, who are ready for it? All right, it's been, you've been helpful. It's been blessing to you so far. Yes, I, I trust it has. I mean, it's been a, it's been a work in me. Man, it's been, I've been going through a lot this past month, just letting the Lord you know, correct me and do some things in me. So I'm, I'm hoping it's helping you because I'm going through a lot. So I'm hoping that you're, you're good. Anybody cleaned their room last week as soon as they got home? Three people. The rest, we're going to go check you out then. But uh, man, no, we talked last week about being faithful in the the little things. Don't despise small stuff. And that's one of the Christian killers is despising small things. And uh, this morning we're going to uh, talk about something a little different. Uh, and of course, again, another Christian killer. But this one is living on information, being a Christian killer. So are ready for it? So everybody, you got your, everybody got their little cell phones with them? Now, uh, you know, the, the age that we live in, or an iPad or something like that, the age that we live in, what kind of generation do we live in? Well, techie... 24, yes, very wide. Okay, we got a lot of smart Alex in the room. That's good. But we live in a culture and a generation that is information overload. Like, for example, hey Siri, who won the NBA championship this past week? Toronto defeated Golden State in game four of the NBA finals. Woo! That felt good, didn't it? How many of you watched that game this past week? Oh yeah, that was so good. And at the same time, you can go, Hey Siri, what is a great uh, recipe for banana bread? Here's what I found. Here's what I found. Oh my. Recipes up the wazoo that I won't use, but I'll pass it to Jamie. But what is it? We got information overload, right? And how many know this is a good thing? It's, It's good to have that information. It's so nice to have it available at your fingertips. But one of the negative sides to it is that using the Word of God as information. Just taking the information, okay, Siri told this verse, I heard this verse from Siri, or I heard this from somebody, and it's just more information being added to everything else you got around you. Now what we want to do is move from information to revelation, because the information of the Word of God will never just change a circumstance for you. 
Anybody found that out before? You can have a lot of people that have a lot of information on the Bible, but that information has yet to help them, has yet to make change a circumstance that they may be facing. So we need to understand how to move from information to revelation. That's why we're talking about this Christian killer just being information. Because we got a lot of Christians who know a lot of stuff, but they're not able to apply it in their life and see change going on. Right again, and this one of the big things that we've talked about a little bit last week is that people living two, maybe three different lives, when in fact you have one life. You are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. All of that is connected. So if anything is out of whack in any kind of area in your life, it's all whacked. Right? It's not just, oh, this is a little area that's off. No, there's something going on. You are a spirit being. So all growth, all change happens spiritually. Why? Because you are a spiritual being. That's who you are. Any growth that happens on the outside is a result of what's happening already on the inside. So we need to talk a little bit about this because information and revelation, again, let me talk revelation, doesn't come from the outside in. Revelation works from the inside out. So we need to learn and be inside out beings. Anybody with me this morning? This is who we are. Information is what? Siri, outside information coming in. And that we can't have that just with the Word of God. It's a good place to start, but we got to grow past where it's just stuff coming to us, where now we're getting it on the inside and it's changing the way we live from the inside out. Can we see that? Religion will constantly do things from the outside in. Jesus works from the inside out. So I want to just show you a little example here. In John chapter 4, turn there real quickly with me in your Bibles. One of the wonderful things and the good news about this Jesus that we serve is that Jesus wants to talk to you for yourself. All right, Pastor Sheila got excited on that one. Is there anybody else that just are thankful that Jesus wants to talk to you for yourself? Now, thank God that he does it through other people. He does it through ministers. He does it through friendships. He does it in a marriage. He does it even sometimes through your kids. God, a lot of times, uses you and I as uniforms, Right? But the wonderful thing is, is that God will speak to you for yourself. There is no media. The Bible tells us this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, or sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 1, that there is no mediator between God and man, except the one man, Jesus Christ. So you don't need a minister. You don't need to go to some place and confess your sins to some priest and have him, you know, talk to God on your behalf. You can go to God for yourself and God will talk back. Are you kidding me? This is the most amazing thing about Christianity. People think it's just, you know, one way, us talking to God. No, it's also God talking to us. This is who we are. We are also hearers. This is who we be, right? He speaks to us. And so what I, I love this verse that we're going to be going through, but this is the woman that was at the well. How many of you read the story before? Maybe I need to touch over a little real quickly. This woman came in. Jesus was exhausted after a tiresome journey. He sits down and he's talking to a Samaritan woman. And again, if you were a Jewish man, of course, you don't talk to Samaritans. I mean, Jews and Samaritans don't get along, right? And then on top of it, a man talking to a lady, a Samaritan woman, no way does anybody do that. And so Jesus asked for a drink of water, and she was just like, why are you talking to me? We're not allowed to be discussing. And so they get into this whole thing about the well, where they worship, and all of a sudden, Jesus you know, says these words, and the woman says, man, I perceive you're a prophet. I guess, I mean, at this time, Jesus had just said, yeah, you, you're not married, and kind of laid out a little bit of stuff in her life. And she was shocked. You just read my mail. And so she said, I, I know that there's a Messiah coming and he's going to tell us all about these truths and he's going to show us the way. And Jesus just flat out says to her, I am the Messiah. Now imagine 
in that situation. You've heard about this Messiah, and for all of a sudden, right in front of you, at this well, someone is saying, I'm him. What would you do? Man, I'd cannonball in that well. Are you kidding me? Yeah, this is amazing. She gets excited. At this point, the disciples come back, and so she, this is what we pick up, she leaves her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, click, follow with me, guys. Otherwise, I'm going to look like I can't read. In fact, I'm going to just read it from here just in case that happens. Uh, Verse 29, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming in from the village. Now I want you to notice this, verse 30. So what did the people do? They came streaming in from the village to see him. Now I don't know about you, but anybody ever heard a testimony? You heard somebody, you know, God did something for someone. Man, it, it gets exciting. that God did that for you? Now again, whenever you hear something, what God's done in a person's life, don't just go, oh, golf clap, that's nice. No, somebody who's received something from God. It's amazing. We ought to tell it out. We ought to shout it out. And these people came streaming because they're looking for an answer. Now, in this time, you'll you'll skip down to verse 39. But right afterwards, Jesus, of course, is talking to his disciples and said, man, you're going to see a whole harvest coming and this is going to be amazing and lays it all out. He said, don't just wait for them to come. I said, it's the harvest is ready. Go out and get them. So then verse 39 ties in. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because what? Because the woman, because of the woman. (laughs) Anybody believing in Jesus now because of a woman? Yeah. Come on, where are you at? This whole village came because of a woman. So this also shows me, you got to preach it up. Women too, preach it up. Why? Because they're, they're being, this may be the only gospel that some people ever hear, your testimony, what you've experienced from God. You have got to share what happened to you. Why? Look what happened. A whole village came because of a woman. And what did the woman say? He told me everything I ever did. So she's pumped about that. Somebody just read my mail and told about all my junk that I had. Right? So when they came out to see him, now I, I love these words. So they came out. Just I want you to picture a village. All right? All of Black Falls coming together. Anybody from Black Falls here? A few people. You guys aren't shouting, so you're embarrassed to say Black, from Black Falls. From Black Falls. They all came running out to see this man. Now, I want you to notice, they begged him to stay. This just shows they were hungry for this man. They're hungry for something. They want truth. They heard what this woman did. And now this is the heart that you and I first have to get is, Jesus, I want you. I want you in my life. We got to move past information stage where Jesus, again, is just like watching CNN or Fox News. That's a lot of times what we kind of get in. I'm going to just, you know, throw over my Bible and I hope to get something out of Proverbs today because, you know, Proverbs 16, because it's June 16. I'm going to read that today. Da, 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 da. Uh, okay, yeah, that was good. We taking it as information instead of the Word of God. It cannot be on the same wavelength. It cannot be on the, even the same equal page. The Word of God every other source. We have to develop that attitude because otherwise we're going to just live in information and information itself will just kill you. I know God heals. Yeah, but do do you like actually know it? Oh yeah, I mean, I've I've heard it. I've, I've seen things done. And the tricky thing is, is a lot of people will confuse information for revelation. They think they know it when in fact you don't know it. You know it, but do you know it? There's a difference. When I know it, I don't care what it looks like. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by... It's a difference. 
People can sing that song and go, it may look like I'm surrounded in God, you got to do something. When in fact, I know what I know. I know what he said. I can't be shaken off of it. There's a difference in your knowing. So when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days. Notice, why did he stay? They begged him. Let me ask you, what's your begging look like? Now it's not like, oh God, I just need you. No, he's with you. But I'm not talking begging in the sense of, you know, desperation and, oh God, I need you. I, I, don't, I don't have you. No, you have him. But how much do you want him? There's a difference. I mean, husbands and wives, isn't it wonderful when your spouse wants you? <laughs> There's a difference. Thank you, Jordan, being the only brave guy in the house. Your wife could tolerate you, go, yeah, you know, yeah. Or she could be like, this girl's obsessed with me, man. Like, there's a difference. Now, I'd rather have that. Anybody else in the house while I'm getting red standing up here? All right. <laughs> you want that. Even your kids. You don't want your kids just to tolerate. Well, the same way, this Jesus, they begged him to stay. Stay with us. Stay with us. Jesus, we want you. Anybody ever do that as a kid before when you used to beg for sleepovers? I remember doing that to Pastor Sheila. Right, Pastor Sheila? Because Adam, is Adam around here too? He was a really good beggar. I don't know if he's, I don't see him here this morning. But we had always, because Adam got a PlayStation, which at the time we were thrilled about because he's got, uh, what's that racing game? Cooper Racing or something like that. And uh, anybody had a PlayStation? And you know, you get excited about it. Adam got this new game. Hey, you guys should come try it over. Come over and play over and we'll, we'll do that. And then we asked if we could sleep over. And you know what happens as kids when you want to sleep over? What do you do? Please, please, I will, I will stay in my room till 7, I promise. Please, 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 I'll do whatever. I'll just, I'll eat peanut butter sandwiches. I won't ask for anything else. Please, 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 please. Anybody ever do that? That was a weekly basis for me. Really good at pleading my case. And what happens? Did you stay in your bed till 7? No. No. Absolutely not. There's a brand new game. 4.30, let's go. I'm really an early burst still to this day, and so... Pastor Sheila, in public, yeah, I want to apologize for all those times that I woke up early. If you get a PlayStation, I'll come back and maybe Lawrence will invite me over. <laughs> but they begged him to stay long enough, and so he went there for two days, long enough for many more to what? To hear his message and believe. Now notice this, then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because what you told us, I mean, thank God you need to hear what other people have heard about God and what he's done for them, but because we have heard him ourselves. Everybody say that with me, we heard him ourselves. When's the last time you heard God for yourself? And I'm not just talking, you know, I had a cute little dream yesterday. I'm talking, when's the last time you got direction or you got a word from God to hold you steady? This is what we have to be pushing for, church. Because we're throwing off and we're proclaiming ideas, stamping them as absolute truth. And all of a sudden it doesn't work. We go, God, why'd you fail? You didn't hear. So quit saying God told me. You're just using that so nobody else can tell you different. Because the moment you say God told me to do something, automatically nobody has any other input in it. Anybody ever used that card before? The God told me card. Oh, God told me. God told me to marry this woman. Well, does anybody have access to speak into this relationship? No, only God. You are setting yourself up for failure right off the bat. Oh, God told me to take this job. Does anybody else have any input into this? No, no, no. This is, this is what God told me, so I'm doing it. You are setting yourself up for failure. 
I'm just trying to help you this morning. Because the moment you throw this thing out there, that's it. Nobody has any other input into your life, and that is it. And now, okay, and it doesn't go right. You wonder, where was God on this? God uses, at the same time, other people. My wife and I, unless we are in agreement on something, we are not going to do it. What if God told me? Well, if he told me, he'd tell her too. So don't just kind of think, well, God told me my wife is just so dense. She doesn't get it. It, it, Then you wait. Hello, somebody. Then you wait until she gets it or when he gets it. Because when you both get it in agreement, there is power in agreement. Now notice this. Because now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we heard him for ourselves. Now we know. Here's the thing. Now we know. Now I know that he is indeed the savior of the world. This is it. Now is it? They know it. You know, one of the things that I found for myself, um, I don't have this in my notes, but just wanting to share this with you. You know, you see sometimes Jesus saying a few things and he says, uh, once he healed somebody, he said, don't tell anybody else. Right? He healed a blind man. Don't, don't say anything. Don't just go to the priest, show yourself, and then go on about your day. And they went out and told everybody. But I always ask the Lord, why are you telling people not to advocate what you just did? Because what would happen is it turned into a tradition. Right? This is what God did for me, and this is how it happened. And this is the cool thing. Even though, yes, God did this for somebody, doesn't mean he's going to, that's what we talked about a couple weeks ago, doesn't mean he's going to do it the same way this time. So what happens is all of a sudden, this is how God did it for me last time. Just keep it between you and God. This is great. Right? There's times that may happen. Because what happens, it turns into a tradition. And once you've got a tradition set in place, a tradition is, is something has been passed down to you by somebody else. Right? And thank God for some traditions, but we can hear him for ourselves. What is he talking to you about this, the specific situation that you are currently in? Okay, so here's the thing. Why settle for information when the Holy Spirit is ready to bring you revelation? So the purpose of the word of God, I want you to look at this, Luke chapter 6. This is the purpose of the word. Now, many people have ideas what the Word of God is for. What, why do we have a Bible? I mean, it just gives us stories. It just gives us this, that. You know, it shows us history. There's a lot of things that people will say. But I want to show you from the lips of Jesus what he said his Word is for. Is that fair to look at? I mean, I don't want people to, you know, take my words and say, this is what Joel meant or this is what he is saying when he speaks. No, no, no. I would like rather talk for myself. This is what I mean when I say this. Anybody else, you know, enjoy that type? Okay, well, let's let God explain for himself why his word is in your lap this morning. Okay, ready? So Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 49, we're going to read in the Message Bible. Jesus said, why are you so polite with me? Always saying, yes, sir, and that's right. But never doing a thing I tell you. These words, now ready, here they go. These words I speak to you, are not, everybody say not. not, so this is not what it's for. The word of God that's in your lap is not mere addition to your life. What is a mere addition? It's just an add-on. Amongst all the other information that I could soak in on a regular basis, he's saying my word is not like watching Fox News. My word is not like watching CNN. My word is not like reading articles on Facebook. Even though they're good and Christian, my words are not that. Can you see that? They're not mere additions to your life. They're not, everybody say again, they're not homeowner improvements to what? Your standard of living. 
They are, now notice what he's saying, my words, what are they? My words are foundation words. Words to build a life on. So what does that mean when you see a word to build a life on? That means I need to take his word and I need to apply it into my life. That's what his word is best used for. Can you see this? I mean, thank God for all the promises, but the promises are a result of a person, of an individual who's built their life on all of the word of God. Where a lot of times people are just taking scriptures and go, oh, I like this one. And they'll claim it and they'll believe it. And you know, God in his mercy is gracious and he'll do things. But what is he looking for mostly with his word is that you take it, you apply it, and you get it into your life so that you can build on it. This is what his word is for. Okay? It's not just to get a bunch of followers on Facebook. I use my word for my life. Then he says, if you work these words. Everybody say, work these words. What's the key word that you see in that? Work. Everybody say work. Do you have to work? Yes, we're going to have to work. You have to work these words into your life. You are like a smart carpenter who dug deep. And I'm so excited for this fall. I'm not going to tell you everything that we're going to be doing, but I'm just telling you is we're going deep. We're going to dig deep. Yeah. And I might as well just throw this in here while I'm talking about it. But foundation work is messy work. It's messy. It's dirty. You deal with dirt. You deal with the slime. You deal with water. You deal with a lot of the stuff that when you look at a house, you don't want to see. And that's what a lot of times you see in Christians is nobody, I don't want anybody to see the stuff that's going on. I don't want them to see my dirt. I don't want to see them the trash that I've been going through. So what do we do? We set up the house real nice for people to take a look at and go, how do you like me now? Right? That's Jesus, listen, he doesn't mind dirt. He's cool with dirt. That's why he even said, if you work these words into my life. So Christianity is not, oh, I got Jesus in my heart. Everything is going to be good. No, now it actually requires work. <laughs> now here's the cool thing. Dirty work is involved in it. He dug deep and laid the foundation on this house of bedrock because when the river burst its banks, now notice it doesn't say if, when. When the river burst its banks and crashed against that house, look what the next four words, nothing. Everybody say, nothing could shake it. So if you're wondering, how come I'm being shaken a lot, you haven't dug deep. That's all that it is. You haven't dug deep. Are you sure? I'm positive. But I really know the word. No, clearly you don't. So we got to get it in us. Not just, oh, I haven't heard about it. We've heard 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes you are healed. You've heard it, but have you heard it? Have you owned this thing? Okay, I'm getting off. River burst his banks and crashed against that. Nothing could shake it. It was built to last. So Jesus actually commands us here, build your life so you don't collapse. This is how we live our life. How are you living your life? I'm building so I don't crash. And that's not, not a faith statement. That's how he told us to build our life. A lot of times people are just live, living their life or building their life for the good days. Let me encourage you, don't. Good days will come. You'll have those when you're walking with God. Build your life to last. <laughs> Anybody want to last in this room? I want to last. It says, if you just use my words, now this is the other side, if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a... You said it, I didn't say it. Dumb, dumb carpenter who built a house. But what did you skip? 
you skip the foundation. Let me encourage you, if you have not been dirtied up by Jesus, you don't have a foundation. Jesus gets dirty with you. And I love that about, about him is he's not scared about anything dirty. Anything going wrong in your life, he's not scared about it. But if you just skip the foundation altogether and just make sure everything is nice and flowery, this is what he's saying. You, you skip the foundation. Now, when the swollen river comes crashing in, look what happened to the house. It collapsed. Like a house of cards, it was a total loss. Everything you've ever built now is completely gone. It's gone. So again, what is Jesus' words used for? His words are used for to build, to dig deep, right? A solid foundation. His words are not mere additions to my life. It's not just information that I'm getting. So to have revelation knowledge in my life, again, as I said, you have got to get the word of God in you. What is the difference between the smart carpenter and the dumb carpenter? Revelation. is revelation. What destroyed the house of the second guy? What destroyed the, what destroyed the guy, the second guy, that all the storms came crashing in? Is the foundation. The storms come to whosoever. They come to everybody. Everybody's got problems. Everybody's going to experience issues. Everybody's going to experience heartache. It's where is the foundation of your life built on? And that's the difference because I see guy, the, the first guy, the guy that built it on the solid foundation, man, he had revelation knowledge. He dug deep. He took time to put the word into him. It takes time. It takes effort. It requires day in, day out. It's a seed. It's got to start somewhere, but you got to put it in right? So that when the world squeezes you, what comes out? The word. Some, and then the second guy, the guy that was Jesus called the dumb carpenter. What happened to him? He just simply had information. Other translations would say they hear the word, but they don't apply what they heard. So what is it? It's just information to them. And that's not what we need. We don't need more information. We need revelation. We need to move from information to revelation. So let me just throw this to you in Mark, Mark chapter 4. In the Passion Bible, you and I, our attitude towards the Word is everything. No matter where you are, no matter what you want to do in life, no matter what you're wanting to change, what you're wanting to see grow, what you're wanting to develop, no matter what, all growth is spiritual growth. If you want to be a better person, let's not focus on being a better person, let's focus on being submitted to God. Because when I'm submitted to Him, everything else will be caused to grow. Is this, is this okay? Okay. So our attitude towards the word means everything. Like, I don't know how else to do I'm, I'm begging that we got to see this. I'm, I'm, this is something that I've been praying all week, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened in this. How you view the word is everything. It determines if you're going to make it or not. It's going to determine if you are blessed or not. Yes, you are blessed people, but how do you see it in your life? It's your attitude towards the word. Jesus said, or sorry, not Jesus, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, God says that, that those that honor me, I will honor. Those that despise me, what does he say? I will esteem them lightly. So I don't know about you, but I made up my mind that I am going to honor God. How do I honor God? I honor his word. Everything he says is the most important thing. When the word starts talking, everything else shuts up. He's got the highest voice. Come on, I need a few more amens on that. This, this is life and death for you. This will change everything. This will go from, you know, hurting, broken, disrupted, and, you know, can't see any victory in your life to now being an overcomer. This is a huge difference. What are those people that, you know, they live by faith, they're seeing God move in their life? It's because they value the word. 
And then you got people go, well, how come I'm not seeing that in my life? The first place I would go to is, how do you view the word? Oh, I heard that before. That just showed me you don't value it. Okay, so Jesus, this is right out of the mouth of Jesus. If you look in your Bible, the words are read. Mark 4, 24, this is the Passion Bible. Jesus said to them, be diligent. Everybody say, be diligent. Now, what does diligence mean? On it, you're continuing on it. Do it now. I'm on, I'm gonna keep going on this. I'm focused, I'm gonna keep going. Be diligent to understand the meaning behind everything you hear. Now, he's talking about his word on this. If there's things you don't understand, don't just go, oh, that's okay, I don't need to know that. No, no, be diligent to learn it. Get in there. There's things in the Bible that I still don't have 100% on, so what am I doing? I don't just go, oh, you know, figure it out, or, you know, God in his time will show it to me. No, I'm pressing in to know it. Come on, somebody, we're saying, let's say this with me. I'm moving from information to revelation. Let's say that together. I'm moving from information to revelation. This is what this church is built on. It's built on revelation. Right? We don't want to just give nice ideas. We have got to get the revelation of the Word of God so people can live by it. Okay. Be diligent to understand the meaning behind everything you hear. For as you do, look what's happening. More. Come on, what does it say? More. More what? Understanding will be given to who? To you. Say to me. The more I grow to on my understanding, I want to develop it. And guess what's coming back to me? More understanding will be given to me. And according to the depth of your longing. How badly do you want to know it? Listen, in the, in the, we live in Western Canada. It is beautiful here. It is gorgeous here. We got a lot of great things happening to us to the point where we actually don't need God. And that is the saddest thing where we live. And that's the biggest struggle that we live. We got it all. Siri's at our fingertips. I could do my math homework with Siri. She'll help me. We don't need all this other stuff. And that's why it's so crucial that you and I notice this, the depth of my longing. I'm not being measured by anybody else's longing but my own. So if I'm not getting stuff from God, guess what? It's not anybody's fault but my own. If I'm like, how come I don't know God like somebody else? It's because your depth for longing isn't quite as high as the next guy. So what do you do? You turn it up. Everybody say, turn it up. You can turn your own crank. Did you know that you can turn yourself on to God? Woo, has God. Man, listen, when you get turned on to God, you become different. And I don't know about you, but I've just, this is something that been, the Lord's been dealing with me back. Just let's get the fire burning a little bit. Turn, it, turn the gas back on. Let's get this fire for him hungry again. Because what we don't need is more information. You don't need me just to feed you more information. <laughs> Amen. Is that my Gracie girl? Oh, okay. Oh, Sophie. Okay. <laughs> we don't need more information. We need revelation. You don't want me just to be horking out information. Unless you do, because I could be really boring. Everybody turn to Genesis chapter 1, and we'll start there. I want fire. I want Jesus. I want the whole thing. Man, because everything that I'm seeing in the Bible, I'm at this place where I'm like, it's great to hear about all this stuff. It's great to hear about times past, what God did. You know, these healing revivals and people's, you know, coming in and just breaking down, throwing drugs and their pornography magazines on the, on the altar. And just, I, I heard about all these things. I don't want to hear about it anymore. I want to be it. I want to see it. I want to be involved in it. Anybody else? That the moment the worship team even stands up there, we already got people ready to go. Rather than, oh, you know, I'm going to just, you know, check my, you know. Check my stuff. 
I'm not satisfied with this anymore. Anybody else not satisfied? I'm done with just information in my life. I heard a lot. Right? I'm sure you've heard a lot too. You've heard a lot of messages, a lot of, a lot of good ones. But let's move past that to Revelation where now it's actually burning inside of us. I beg, I, Lord, I long for you. Right? I'm desperate for you because without you, I am nothing. I have nothing. Yeah, sure, I may have a house. Yeah, I got a car. Yeah, I got a job. Yeah, I got kids. Yeah, I got a great spouse. But I want him because when I have him, everything else in my life makes sense. Rather than me, I'm going to work on my marriage. No, work in your relationship with him, and then he'll deal with you for marriage. Oh, I want, to, you know, I want you know, health in my body. Go to him. Get a relationship with him, and he'll show you what it is healing in your physical body. We're looking for stuff that he can just do rather than the face of who he is. We've got to move from information to revelation. We need the man. Jesus is a man. Did you know that? So when I sit down in my white chair... I'm not just meeting with some mystical God out there who, you know, we'll see if he says something. I'm dealing with a man. God, 100% God, 100% man. He is my Lord. Talk to me, Jesus. Teach me. And he's so loving kindness, and he'll just reveal things to me. It's not a secret, all of a sudden, snap, everything just works. It requires effort on our part. Is a Christian killer. Is information. Oh, man. According to the depth of your longing to understand much more will be added to you. Then verse 25, here's the warning. For those who listen with open hearts, now when it says open hearts, it doesn't mean open hearts in the sense to other people's opinions. Did you know that, you know, you, the world that we live in talks a lot about you got to be open to people's ideas. No, you don't. I am open. I, my heart is wide open to the Word of God. Anything contrary to that, guess what? I am a very closed-minded person. Christians, we ought to be this way. What are we open to? My heart is open to receive from who? From God. But listen, this is how the enemy comes in. Everything starts as a seed. Everything starts as a seed. So the devil, what he'll do? He'll throw in there, you need to be more tolerant of other people. You need to be more tolerant about their opinions and their ideas of what God is like. Oh, I, I do? So I, I read it in my word. This is what the word says. I'm sticking to that. I'm going to love that person, but this is it. I, I'm not open-minded unless it's with the word of God. Can you see that? That's, this is crucial in the time that we live in where everybody's throwing ideas out there. You've got to be more open-minded. What's wrong with you? Why can't you be more open-minded? It's the 21st century. Anybody ever hear these statements? The Bible's irrelevant. It's an old book. People wrote it way a long time ago. It's not relevant to this day. That's saying God's not relevant. Do you see that? It's his word. So what are, we, what are we open to? His word. What am I not open to? Anything outside of it. I don't have to believe that. Fat chance I do. This is what I believe. I feel like I'm the only guy standing up here saying that. This is what I believe. This is who we are. And how do we want to help people? With the word. Because what's the word? The word is Jesus. I want to help them with that. Because this is what we don't do with the word is we take and start bashing people. This is what it says. This is, you got to believe this. No, we show them by how we live. Okay. For those, of the, those who listen with open hearts will receive more revelation. Anybody want revelation? So this is how I'm going. For those who will listen with open hearts, what are they going to get? They're going to get more revelation. But those who don't listen with open hearts will lose what little they 
they think they have. You think you got it. Guess what? He's saying you're even going to lose all that you think you got. So now what do you got? Nada. What do you got? You have just simply information, but information doesn't change people's lives. Information doesn't change my life. God loves you. Sure, people have heard that all across the world, but until you've taken that for yourself, John 3.16 means absolutely nothing to you. Until it moves from just here into God loves me. He gave Jesus for me. Jesus, I want you. There's a difference. Can you see that? Okay. I'm done my rant. I'm fine. I'm just moving on. Okay. So now how do we move from information to revelation? Listen, there's only one way. There's not all these different types of ways. There's only one way to move from information to revelation. And it's a simple word that you've all heard many, many times. It's meditation. There's only one way. There is only one way. Everybody say one way. It's meditating the Word of God. And that does not mean you sit cross-legged and say, empty your mind. Let me tell you this. Do not empty your mind. That is demonic. Do not empty your mind. You fill your mind with His thoughts. And you sit on them. And you think on it. And you breathe it. The Bible actually says to chew it. You eat that thing. When? Till you swallow it. And then it gets on the inside and you go, oh, I see it, I see it. Anybody ever have one of those I see it moments? It's the best thing in the world. What did you do? You were meditating on a certain thing. Now there's only one way to do it. It is meditation. So let me just show you a few verses. Joshua 1 verse 8, very familiar scriptures. But it says, study, come on, let's read it together. Study this book of instruction. When? Continually. Is it Continually. This is how I live my life. This is how I live continually. Meditate. Everybody say meditate. meditate. Chew it over. Everybody say, let me see you're chewing. Did you actually know that if you chew longer, you live longer? I saw that actually some doctor study just talked about if you chew your food longer, it goes into your stomach easier, you're able to digest it better, you live longer. I mean, I've been to some places where some people just like literally <laughs> swallowed it. It's gone. Anybody ever eat with people that are long eaters? You're at the restaurant for a little two hours. Can you finish up? Like, what is wrong with you? And I'm not just talking about them talking all the time. I'm talking about them chewing forever. Uh, Terry. So Terry asked you to go for lunch. Just, man, guarantee. So 12, okay, 12, 2.30, I should be out of there. <laughs> Chew your food? This is what he's saying. Chew the book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. So what does that mean? Every moment of the day, just think, okay, Lord, what, 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 are we, what are we talking about today? And let him just give you a verse. And you don't take whole long verses. I usually take one or two verses a day, and I just sit on it. I think on it. I write it down in my, I have my phone, in my uh, Google Docs app. I write down that verse. And all throughout the day, it'll just come to my mind. I'm just thinking on it. And thoughts will come on those verses, and I'll just jot them down. And then over time, I kind of recollect them. And on my Mondays when I spend with the Lord and he talks to me, I go back over those verses I've been meditating on. And I'm usually with that one or two verses for a week, two weeks, a month. I'm not fast on it. I'm taking my sweet time because I need to get it. You take your time and just go over it, over it, over and over. Find out different translations. See different things on it. I read it continually and I just sit there and think on it. That's what it means to keep this book of instruction in you continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything that's in it 
Now notice those next two words. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. We've kind of changed Christianity amongst ourselves because we are a microwave generation. I'm going to just pray for this and it's going to happen. If it doesn't happen, what's going on? What's wrong? Let's go back to the way this is how it's supposed to be done. Okay? Again, what is God's word? His words are for me to build my life on. So this is what he says. This is how I prosper and succeed in all that I do. I actually can prosper and succeed in everything by meditating on his word. Can you see this? Not just hoping and praying that something will pan out. This is me now. I'm taking the word. I'm going to meditate on it, think on it. And as we read in Mark chapter 4, what happens when my heart is open to hear his word? More revelation comes. You start to see things. Oh, man, this is it. Is that making sense? Tell me if it's not. I'll go over it real good. Okay, look at the next verse, Joshua 1, 8. Now look at Psalm chapter 1, 1 verse 3 in the message. It says, how well God must like you. You don't hang on at Sin Saloon. You don't slink along dead end road. You don't go to Smart Mouth College. <laughs> I like the message. <laughs> instead, everybody say instead. I'm hanging out where all those other people are hanging out. Instead, this is what I'm doing. My thrill is what? To God's word. Did you know you can get so thrilled with the word of God that you get happy about it? Turn to your Bibles. You can go, wow! Why you can get so why? Because the Bible is not just a Bible. It's a person. It's a living word. It's a man. It's Jesus. Instead, you're thr- you thrill to God's word. You what? Chew on when? Day and night. You chew on it. Listen, in your sleep, this is the word will even talk to you when you're sleeping. I've, ha- I've woken up and all of a sudden these thoughts come rolling. It's the word talking to me. The word wants to have a conversation with you. I chew on it day and night. Notice what happens after you're doing all this. You're a tree replanted in Eden, bearing fresh fruit every month, never dropping a leaf, always in blossom. This is your life. Anybody want that? I want to blossom in everything. So what does he say? Chew on scripture continually. Chew on it. It may not feel like anything's happening, Here's the thing about God. You may feel like there's nothing going on, but that's because he works from the inside out. All of a sudden, you realize, I'm a happy person. How, how did I get so happy? I didn't hear a joke. You know, I, my wife didn't walk into a wall. How, how did I get so happy? You know how you got so happy? It's because the word, you became delighted in it. Can you see this? I'm really hoping this is helping somebody. Okay, Psalm chapter 1. Next verse, Psalm chapter 63, verse 1 through 7. I just love these words. Oh God of my life. This is, I want you to see where David came from. This is his heart. I'm lovesick for you in this weary wilderness. I thirst with the deepest longings to love you more. With cravings in my heart that can't be described, such yearning grips my soul for you, my God. Can you do that? Can you write this? That, that can be you. He says, I'm energized every time I enter your heavenly sanctuary, every time I enter church, to seek more of your power and drink in more of your glory. This is how he's coming to church. For your tender mercies mean more to me than life itself. How I love and praise you, God. Daily I will worship you passionately and with all my heart, my arms will wave to you like banners of praise. Can you see this man? He is obsessed with his God. 
Why? Uh, so in a sec, I will overflow with praise when I come before you, for the anointing of your presence satisfies me like nothing else. You are such a rich banquet of pleasure to my soul. I lie awake each night. What? Meditating. What's another word for meditating? Is thinking of you and reflecting on how you help me like a dad. You help me all the time. I sing through the night under your splendor shadow, offering up to you my songs of delight and joy. This is who our God is. And how does it, how, like for me, this is my goal. I want this psalmist to be my psalm. I want to be able to write Psalm 63 from Joel's hand. God, I lie awake thinking of you. I, I'm obsessed with you. I love you. I can't, I can't even, I miss you when I'm not around you. This is what I want my life to be. Anybody else want this? Now, how do you do it? You go after it. You go after it. There's nothing else that satisfies it. Next verse is uh, Psalm 119. I want to just show you the power of meditation and thinking on this part. Psalmist writes, Oh, how I love and treasure the revelation of your word. He craves it. Throughout the day, I fill my heart with its light. Now, notice what happens when he's doing this. By considering your commands, I have an edge over my enemies. For I take seriously everything you say. I like this one too. You have given me more understanding than those who teach me. What? How can I have more understanding than my teacher? Because I delight in his law. I crave his command. Why? For I've absorbed your eye-opening revelation. I'm taking it all in. What does the Bible say? You will be smart. Be smarter than your boss. How? Because I crave his word. I want it in my life. We're moving from information to revelation. Next, Isaiah 26.3. Verses we know. And we always talk about this. You keep me in perfect peace. Yeah, I want perfect peace. I want perfect peace. Lord, give me peace. Give me peace. All who trust in you. But then notice this. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. It's impossible to have peace when you're thinking about how bad it's going to turn out. It can't come. We're just hoping God will just, you know, kind of blow some peace powder on us. <laughs> Oh, oh, peace just came. No, peace is intentional. Peace powder doesn't exist. How do I get peace? My mind is fixed. It's established. Everything else is coming. No, this is how I'm thinking. And you can go Philippians. You can see that too. This is what Paul said. He said, I know how to live when I have lots. I know how to live very little. How do you do it, Paul? What's the secret to life? I think on things that are pure. I think on thoughts that are lovely and of good report. I don't let anything else. I'm fixing my thought on who he is. This is my thought. Bad news comes my way. Okay, it's not that you just go, oh, ignore it. No, okay, this is what's going on. Now I got the facts. Lord, what does your word say about this situation? Well, I'm going to hold on to this. This is what you said. And every time it bubbles up, I'm going to go back to what he said and speak his word to that situation. That's how we fight our battles. This is how we do it. Okay, so meditation is vital. Um, if, you, if you could turn to your Bibles and your phones, I don't have it on the screen, but this is a prayer that I would encourage you to pray every single day over yourself, over your family. Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read it to you from the Living Bible. This is vital. You've probably heard this prayer, but let me encourage you. You pray this prayer. If you're hungry for this, if you want to move from just information and get into the revelation of things, read this prayer, pray this prayer every single day, three times a day if you can. Get it into you. 
Lord, I'm asking you something. And I'm going to read it to you right here. Ephesians 1 verse 16 in the Living Bible. It says, I have never stopped thanking God for you. This is Paul praying. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you wisdom to see clearly and really understand who Christ is and all that he has done for you. God, I'm not asking you for a new house. I'm not asking you for a new car. I'm not asking you for that new piece of clothing. Lord, I'm asking you, I want to see you clearly. This is the prayer that I have more than anything else. Lord, this is what I'm asking. This is what I want more than anything in this life. I want to see you clearly. Verse 18, I pray that your hearts, I personalize it. I pray that my heart will be flooded with light so that I can see something of the future that you have called me to share. I want you to, I want to be, I want to realize that God has been made rich because we who are Christ's have been given to him. I pray that I will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe in him. This is why we need to pray this. Did you just hear that? Again, verse 20 or 19. I pray that I will begin to understand how incredibly great your power is to help me because I believe in you. Now notice this verse 20. It is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heaven. Far, far above any other king or ruler or dictator or leader. Yes, his honor is far more glorious than that of anyone else either in this world or in the world to come. And God has put all things under his feet and made him the supreme head of the church, which is his body filled with himself, the author and giver of everything everywhere. What power is available to you because you believe in him? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's available to you. But here's the thing. How come I'm not seeing it? Because you don't know it. You've heard it, but we got to get to this point. God, I need to see this. I don't want to just talk about it. When Peter walked around, I'm talking the book of Acts. When Peter walked around, they brought out sick people all around. His shadow would heal them. Is Peter better than you or I? Does God play favorites? Does he like Peter more than me? No, he likes us all. What's the difference? Revelation knowledge. There's something I know. I know when I touch somebody, they will be healed. I know that. I don't just think that. I know it. So there comes a confidence and a boldness that arises with it. What's the difference? You're moving from information to revelation. Because when you know something, you know it. I know I'll never live a broke day in my life. Why? Because I know too much. Uh, Sickness is not going to take me out. How do I know? Because I know too much. It's not me. It's the Word. How come me and my wife are going to stay together all our days on life? Oh, you're just young. You, can't, you, know, you don't know what's going to happen in the future. <laughs> I don't care. I know too much. I know the love of God that's in me. That's towards her. I know too much. We're so flippant and, you know, we got information of Jesus. We go, Jesus, how come this information I got is not working? It won't work. Info doesn't work. What do I need? Revelation. We have to move from it. Because all we're doing, all of our prayers, a lot, not all, a big bunch of prayers are, hope, are hopefully being answered based on information that we have. Hoping that God will just do something with the info we got. He's not moved by info. He's moved by faith. And faith, another word, easy way to say it, it's revelation. What has God spoken to you? I got it. I own it. It's mine. It belongs to me. That's my faith. Is this helping anybody? Is this, okay. Okay. 
So I'm desperate for him. And just to take off, I got a few more minutes here. So moving from information to revelation is meditation. But I want to also throw this out here because this is vital, the importance of praying in tongues. This is vital for us as Christians. This is something that Jesus commanded his church, the early church. You see it in the book of Acts. Jesus commanded his disciples, do not leave Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. You, and then what happened? I mean, the Holy Spirit came on them, and we see it all in the book of Acts. They were filled with other tongues and spoke, spoke in different tongues, and they prophesied and did all these types of things. People thought they were drunk, right? Acts chapter 2. But we cannot downplay the Holy Spirit's role in your and my life and Him revealing His Word to us. The author of the book lives inside of you. How do we activate this? How do we start seeing more? Pray in tongues. You cannot work hard naturally enough to get this. You ha it's a spiritual thing. And you're a spiritual being. So let me just show you a few verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2 and 4 in the Passion Bible. When someone speaks in tongues. Everybody say this with me. When someone speaks in tongues, what are they doing? Nobody, what, understands a word he says. Why? Because when I speak in tongues, I'm not talking to people because he's not speaking to people, but what am I speaking to? I'm speaking to God. He or the person that's speaking in tongues is speaking, look, what? Intimate mysteries in the Spirit. What are mysteries? Anybody ever done like a murder mystery or something like that before? What are you trying to find? Who the killer is, Right? Why, what is it up to this point? It's a mystery. We don't know which one of us it is. So here it is. The plan of God, the workings of God, what he's doing in your and my life, it is a mystery in the sense of our natural senses can't pick it up. You can't figure it out in the natural. Because a lot of times we may go, oh, it must be an open door. I'm going to go and take that because it's open. How do you know? Did God tell you? Right? There's a whole different. We just kind of think all these natural things take place. And guess who can operate in the natural? The devil. He can operate here. So this is why God gave us this gift of praying in other tongues so we can pray out secrets. So the enemy, I mean, just I, I kind of envision this. you got a, a bunch of football players lined up, and they're calling shots. And all of a sudden, audible, audible, audible. Uh, the defensive line's going, shoot, what? Now, what does that mean? When you start praying in tongues, the devil just, what? I thought he was going over here. Now, now he's going over here. What's going on? And everything that the devil tried to lay up for you, totally destroyed. And you may not even know it. Why? Because you prayed in tongues and you got direction to go a different way. Oh, I, you skipped a whole thing and the devil spent his entire, your entire life planning it just for you. And now it's messed up. Why? Because you're a tongue talker. This is why the devil has fought tongues in the church so long. Oh, the, the tongues are done. Oh, I still speak in tongues. So either I'm extremely old. Or God is still doing it today where he said in his word, in my last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. It's either he's still doing it or he's not. Anybody else speaking tongues around here? What is that? Oh, oh dangerous folk. All right. <laughs> that we fight over. Okay. This is who we are. Now notice verse four. The one who speaks in tongues, what is he doing? Advances his own spiritual progress. Anybody want to spiritually progress? What's the answer? Pray in tongues. 
You gotta do it. You wanna grow in God? Pray in tongues. While the one who prophesies builds up the church. So he, when you look at the, in context in the setting, they had, this church would just come in and they would just start praying in tongues at everything. It'd be like me coming up to preach and I just, Amen. And you go, uh, I didn't get nothing out of that. Yeah, you wouldn't because tongues is not for other people. Tongues, I'm speaking directly to God. But then he goes on to say, prophesy, I could, I could interpret my own tongue and that'd be a blessing to you. He's just saying when you go into a church setting, don't just pray in tongues because nobody knows what you're saying unless you have an interpreter. But he said when you speak in English, you've got to build up the entire church. So that's just kind of in context for that. But the next verse I want you to look at is Jude chapter 1 verse 20 in the Amplified. He's talking about how crazy it is going to be out in the world and how you know it's crazy. Maybe a few people think it's normal. It's crazy. But he said, but you. Is everybody say, but me. But me. This letter's for me. So Jude is telling me, but you, Joel, beloved, build, can we read this together? Build yourself up on the foundation of your most holy faith. Continually progress, rise like an edifice, higher and higher. How? Pray in the Spirit. So how am I going to continually progress? How am I going to rise up like an edifice higher and higher and higher? By praying in the Holy Spirit. I remember hearing this from a gentleman that I really like listening to, Mark Hankins. He said, the Holy Spirit will make you look smart. And I thought, yeah, that's absolutely true. We got to think, you know, we got all this together. No, I, it's, if me on my own, I'm as stupid as they come. But the Holy Spirit, what is he able to do? This is the thing. He can make me look smart. Woo! He can do that for anybody. What's the difference? You yield to him. Okay, Lord, you're going to have to help me. I do not know what to do in this, so I'm going to just start praying in tongues. And those that pray in unknown tongues, what are you praying out? Intimate mysteries before God. Last verse I want to show you, Romans chapter 8, verse 26 through 28. The Holy Spirit, now what does he do? He helps us in our weakness. And if you look at the actual Greek, it talks about our inability to produce because of our flesh. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. So what is that? You're yielding yourself to praying in tongues. Verse 27, and the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's will. Meaning if you yield yourself, you start praying in other tongues, you are praying out the perfect will of God for your life, for my life, for your family's life. Now notice this is the verse that everybody throws out there. And because I do that, I pray in other tongues, we know, everybody say we know. That God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. You can't just quote that scripture if you don't pray in tongues. People are just using that scripture. We know they go through a rough time. You know, well, God works all, thing, all things together for the good. No, he doesn't. There's a lot of stuff that's going on that's bad. How do I know that all things are going to work together for good? It's because I took time to pray in other tongues. Because I know when I pray in other tongues, I know I'm praying out the perfect will of God, and God causes everything that I've just prayed out to work together for good. 
You cannot just take this scripture out of context. This is Paul talking. Paul was a tongue talker. Who is he talking to? The Roman church. And the Roman church was a tongue talking church. So that's why they spent time praying in tongues. This church where it is today is because the faithful prayers of those that came every Tuesday over years and all the other things that we got going on, they prayed on a continual basis. We are reaping that. We are walking in all those good things that God laid out for us because of those prayers. So let me encourage you, praying in other tongues will save you. It's for you. So I don't know about you, but this is, I'm, I said, I'm, what does my day consist of? Other than, of course, I'm doing my tasks and I got different things going on, even in my meetings. But I am meditating and I am constantly just yielding myself to him. I remember this one thing, because you know a lot of people, I know for myself, you can get kind of religious on this. And I got to pray at least five hours a day and if I don't, then nothing's working. Smith Wigglesworth, again, that a guy that I really enjoy reading after, they asked him a question, how do you, how do you perform? I mean, you're, God is using you to do tremendous things. How do you do all this? I mean, what's your prayer life like? You must be praying all the time. And he said, no, I don't pray for more than 15 minutes at a time, and I do it every 15 minutes, meaning he would pray for about, yeah, 10, 15 minutes, and then he would go about his business, and he just, Lord, I just want to thank you. And he said, I would just stop again. And I would just pray for a few more minutes and carry about my business. He said that, that rotation would happen on a regular basis. It's not this set time, okay, i got to pray for three hours. And if I don't, oh, man, everything all hell breaks loose. God is bigger than that. you got to, okay, you chill out. But at the same time, what I'm doing is I'm living a life rather than I've just consecrated time. I'm living my life continually yielded to him. So in Walmart, guess what? While I'm getting the Cheerios... I can just be praying I, praying in tongues. I'm talking to him. Do I always know what I'm saying? Not always. But there's other times where I'm praying and I'm saying, Lord, I want the interpretation for what I'm praying. And I'll get it. It may come a day later. It may come a week later. But I've always gotten it. Can you see how powerful this is? You and I have been given this gift of speaking in other tongues. Now we've got to do it. God's not going to come into you and start opening your mouth and start speaking he's not going to force himself you have to do it so guess what let's take a couple minutes it's 12.03 let's go to 12.05 let's just take a moment just to pray in other tongues and if you've never prayed in other tongues before and if you would like to you just come on up for a quick sec while everybody's just praying you just come on up for a sec we're just going to quickly pray with you because the Bible says that when you ask him He'll fill you. This isn't some you have to be some gonna good person or get clean and then God will do it. No, this gift is for anybody that is a child of God. This is what Jesus said. The world can't receive him because they don't know him. But once you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the next baptism that you experience is the baptism of the Holy Spirit where you now are filled with him. So is there anybody that would like that this morning? Okay, there's one. Anybody else? Two. Come on. Three. This makes the devil really, really nervous. I'll just tell you that right now. Four. Okay, I see another hand. If that's you, would you like just to come up for a quick sec? And I, I, don't, I don't mean to call attention to yourself, but I mean, we've all done this. And this is the greatest thing. Come on up here, girl. Yeah, come on. I'll just get you just to stand up right here. And uh, yeah, if you, oh, hey, yeah, come on. And if that's you, you know, just the rest of us, you all want to stand up with us, and let's just do this. If you guys... Hey, thanks for listening. If you live in the central Alberta region of Canada, we'd love to have you come out and check out one of our weekend messages. 
For more info on all of our directions, service times, and children's programs, visit our website at impactlife.ca. That's impactlife.ca.